And I'm Matthew. And we're we're breaking down. We're doing something really exciting, especially for me because I'm a big fan of this idea. Uh, before we get into the main meat of the show, uh, just one quick piece of DC news to cover. Um, DC Comics released some of their uh, Hispanic Heritage Month uh, uh, variant covers, and they're really excuse my language. They're really fucking racist. So fuck you, DC, and fuck you, Warner Brothers, and anyone who signed off on this. Uh, yes, yes, that is, look, I, I, we've, I may have mentioned it before. I'm half Mexican and I I'm not didn't saying, know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm half Mexican, which is why the Roca connection is so strong. Yeah. And like, I think I said it to you. It was like, is this real? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, this can't be real. There's no, like this, there's no way. <laughs> There's no way they brown faced some of their characters and then gave them Mexican food as a heritage month. That I just don't understand. So, so we yes, have, we have we have uh, uh, Kyle Rayner holding a grocery bag full of tamales in space, holding a flag, a Green Lantern flag that says Viva Mexico. Which, which is an homage to some other thing that I've never heard of. So that's supposed to make it okay. Yeah, um, we've also got, and I can't place her name. It's it's one of the 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 female Green Lanterns who's also Hispanic, and she's got a bunch of beat down dudes, and she's eating what I think is a burrito. Yes, um, we've got as we often do because when I whip somebody's butt, the next thing I do is eat a burrito. Yeah, we've got we've got Jaime the Blue Beetle uh, just jumping off a building, eating I think is a bunch of tacos in his hand. Yeah, just literally got just a metric fuck ton of tacos in his hands, um, and then we've got I guess that's Hawk Girl um, is that they're doing, and she is she's Hawk Girl isn't even doing anything superhero. She is like working at a Mexican restaurant with the apron and everything, serving at a place called uh, Plant Platanitos Fritos Cafeteria, and is serving a bunch of Mexican food to people. Just wow <laughs> see and i want uh, the voice actress for hot girl for the show was of latino descent i want her to comment on this because this is just un fucking believable <laughs> like, it's just like like I, I yeah i think i tweeted dc the other day of like what in the fuck were you guys thinking yeah who like, who signed off on this i mm. yeah yeah, mm. and uh, my, one of my buddies, uh, uh, black African American, whatever you want to say, he was like, he's like, I'm just letting. He like tweeted or said to the DC about like, I'm just letting you guys know, you pull any of this crap, you know, for Black History Month, I'm fighting everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I remember you tagged me in a tweet that was like, imagine if like for for Juneteenth they showed John Stewart eating watermelon and fried chicken, drinking great, you know great yeah. drink whatever it's like yeah it's the same it's the same thing it's like it's just it's just racist it's, it's not racist. even like and I, I as a comedian i'm one of those i'm like okay is it racist or is it just funny no this is just racist yes <laughs> yeah the, the only thing this kind of makes me remember and this is so off the beaten path but i have to tell the story because it's hilarious so i grew up half mexican but mainly raised white okay i work with this guy and he was raised mexican he was half Mexican, half white, but he was raised mainly Mexican. And one day I was at, 
I was at work and my daughter had come with me and we bought a bunch of empanadas. I was like, hey, go give this to so-and-so. And she's like, okay. So she leaves, she comes back and he messaged me. He's like, he's like, dude, that's racist. I'm like, is it? He's like, it's racist because you knew I liked them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, empanadas are delicious. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's our quick coverage of the DC news right now. Basically, uh, nice going, DC. It's pretty yeah. racist. Um, yeah. Let's let's. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna pause here for a sec, and you're gonna hear some fun little transition music or whatever. And we're gonna we're gonna get into what is a show uh, or a concept for an episode I am very excited about, and that is us pitching Batman Beyond in film, and it's probably gonna make a lot of you very angry. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We are ready to do some pitching on our ideas for how to do Batman Beyond in the movies. And we've been talking about it for a couple days, you know, as we've been throwing our ideas around and figuring how we want to approach this. And we both come to the conclusion, we're going to make some of you pretty angry. I like it. And that's now, the point sometimes. It is. And now we don't know what the what either of us have done either. We've we've just kind of been tossing around some loose concept ideas like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? But neither of us know what the other is going uh, to do. Neither of us know what the other person is going to actually pitch in terms of actors, you know, cast and crew and specific plot points. We just kind of know that we're, we're going to do some weird stuff. Um, so for this, Matthew... Um, what order do you want to go in here? Do you want to just start with like your crew and then your cast and then go into the concept and the plot? I think what I want to do is our cast. Cause uh, if memory serves, we have three different movies a piece, correct? I have four. <laughs> okay. Let's do this. Let's start with our, let's start with our main cast from the first movie. You okay. talk your first movie. I take my first movie. You talk the cast for your second movie. I talk the cast for my second movie. We talk about our second movies. You do the cast for your third. I do the cast for my third. And then we'll talk about your fourth. And then at the end, reveal our director, cinematographer, action writer, whatever it is that we have. Okay. So I will say this. my I only have cast five characters. And that's because they're the five who are going to kind of be there throughout the whole thing. Okay. Well, I'm a casting crazy that, person. No, so I cast all kinds of people. I, I told you. I was telling you. I had a hard time with my casting on this one. I just the inspiration wasn't hitting. Um, so yeah. I basically got my five mains out of the way. And then for this, and that's for the first movie for the subsequent movies. I'm like, I don't have anybody cast, but they're going to be there. Do you want to do the cast at the very end and talk about the movies? Yeah, let's do the cast first. Do the cast okay. first. Makes sense. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So let's go with you first. Since this was your idea, you're the, which is weird. <laughs> the guy who doesn't like, who didn't like Batman beyond was like, you want to do a Batman beyond pitch? And I'm like, you know what? Sure. Bro, when I was doing Fanboy Junction, I had to recast like 70% of those movies or movies I didn't like. That's true. Try, try recasting Scott Pilgrim. Like, okay. Uh, sure. Wait, wait, wait. You don't like Scott Pilgrim? I don't mind Scott Pilgrim. I've reappreciated it when I rewatched it a couple years ago. Okay, we're going to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't like it was one of those like, this is fun. And then I think I watched it a second time and I was like, I don't remember it being bad. Why? It, do I not like it? And then didn't watch it for eight or nine years and then watched it again. And I was like, no, this is, this is fun. 
what what was my problem? But I mean, at the same time, like, I, it's not one I'm going to go back to. But I, when I was asked, hey, let's do this movie, I was just like sitting there like, I don't want to recast this movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Let's get into your cast here. Uh, let's let's talk casting for 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 your first uh, Batman Beyond movie. Okay, so do we want to just do go from the top to the bottom? Do we want to build up to our big guys? What do we want to yeah, do? do? Whatever, whatever order you want to do it in. Okay, Blight slash Derek Power. So my first movie, just to get into a very sick because I don't have much. Is I'm basically just the origin of the guy, the origin yeah. of Bat. I'm not going to change anything. I'm not do anything different. It's just going to be his origin as told in the first couple episodes of the show. So that eventually you have Blight Derek Powers as the main villain. And I I cast Jonathan Goff as him. Jonathan Goff. Why do I know that name? He was the agent in the most recent Matrix movies. He's King George and Hamilton. He's the voice oh, of, okay. of uh, Sven. No. Christoph. I don't know what the character's names in in what's it called are anyway the point is he's a really good actor he can sing which has nothing to do with this movie but as much as that matrix, <laughs> yeah as much as matrix 4 was crap he yeah. was really good in it that's fair so uh, i just felt like that would be he'd make that cool like because Derek powers is that guy who you like but then like you're like but behind the scenes i wonder what he's like and then you find out you're like i don't know anything to do with this guy yeah, he's got a, he, off. he rolled a nat 20 on his charisma but yeah. Yeah. So that's who I've cast as Derek powers. Okay. Interesting choice. I, I cause he's, he's uh, cause wow, he's like 37. So you went younger. Correct. I, I kind of wanted somebody between Terry and Bruce. Okay. Okay. And my Bruce is like late sixties, not quite mid seventies. Okay. I but he you. could be played either way. No, that's that's that that's a that's a neat idea. I went a little different with it, I think, but I think that's a good pick. Now he's he is a very good actor. He, I mean, because because King George is the I I love Hamilton. I like Hamilton. Uh, I love him in Hamilton. The King King George is like one of the best parts of that show. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's very good. I, I do like him. So that's 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 a if you're gonna go younger, it's a good pick. And yeah, Matrix Resurrect- Resurrections is garbage, but he was very good as as the the rebooted Smith. Yes. Yes. All right. Who'd you, who'd you, who'd you cast as, are you going to go back and forth? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Um, so I, I kept it, um, a little more kind of like you, like he's not as old as Bruce, but I, I still wanted him to be kind of older just because of how I'm doing the origin. Um, so I still kind of kept him in his, um, you know, and it's in his late, like late forties, early fifties kind of thing. Um, so I, went with someone who I think is very good at being kind of a conniving diabolical businessman who I don't think gets him as much work as he should. And that is Mr. John Hamm. Yes. Um, as, um, as much work as he should, he works all the time. <laughs> I, I just feel like he's not a bigger star. Like I think he should be like, I, I love John Hamm, but I'm like, this dude should be like, like leading major movies. Like, He's he gets a lot of supporting roles and he gets a lot, but he's not talked about enough for me. And I think that he could play this again, this super charismatic, angry, corrupt businessman so well. Again, if you've seen him in Mad Men, you know what the hell I'm talking about. See, and I was gonna say, I think he just rode Mad Men too long. 
I think there's well, like yeah. a, a four to five year where you can go like, all right, I, I'm going to springboard. And then after that, you're like, nope, you're that dude forever. Sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, Because <laughs> Madman ran for like, like a hundred episodes or something like that. Yeah. Like seven seasons. Like the show is good, but, uh, but it did get, it was one of those shows. I was like, this needed to stop at like five. Yeah. But anyway, um, no, I, I look at John Hamm and I think like with the hair slicked back, He's got that kind of salt and pepper, you know, silver fox look going on. This guy, and especially when you want to get into kind of that anger that Blight has, I think John Hamm could pull that off. Nice. Did you cast Barbara Gordon? I did not cast Barbara Gordon, but I do have her as a character. I, I cast Bruce, Terry, Derek Powers, Dana, and one more that I will save for the end. <laughs> okay. All right, so I cast Megan Fellows as Barbara Gordon. Um, Megan Fellows. If you ever watched that show called Rain, she was the queen. Um, oh, Megan, but, fo- Megan Follows? Follows? Fellows? Follows? What is her? Yeah, Follows. I'm sorry, not Fellows. Okay. Follows. She was in Rain. She, I know her because she was Anna Green Gables when I was a kid, and I had the biggest crush on her. And then my wife I started never- watching Rain. I never watched Anna Green Gables. <laughs> it's okay. It's it's not something you should watch. <laughs> ah, it is it is a teen teen like girl. I don't know how to say. It. Like it was one of those like she's. Cute. I know. I know what it this. is. But I I was one of those. I looked at it. I was like, yeah, this is not for me. No. Anyway, it's it. I have a younger sister. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. And then going forward with that, there's a show called Rain that my wife watched. And then I was like, why do I know that queen? But I don't because it'd been like 20 years since I'd seen her in anything. Because now she's like this adult, you know, not old woman, but she's not, you know, a teenager. So it was interesting. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's her. And it was just, and she just has like in that show reign, like she's the villain. Okay. And, but not the villain, like, like mustache twirling like i'm trying to make sure my kingdom doesn't fall apart so she just okay. had like a, a a vigor a uh i don't want to say integrity i'm trying to think about the word but just like one of those of like you could tell this is not the person you were going to mess around with and mm-hmm. i kind of feel like an older barbara gordon having been through being batgirl had to put up with batman is not going to be this woman that you're just going to control in a buckle like she is the chief of police now she has to have some kind of umps to her and i think megan fellows will be able to pull that off and you know she's a redhead so why not that's a cool pick i'm, I'm looking at her imdb right now and i have not seen anything she's been in so so i can't really comment one way or another i mean i mean i like i've seen longmire i couldn't tell you the ep- i couldn't tell you if i've seen the episode she's been in um so so yeah, yeah i mean i'm not gonna fault you one way or another you clearly know her a lot better than i do um so but uh, but no, I mean, yeah, it's, as long as she's a redhead. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's also weird, too, because it's so in the cartoon, she has white hair. And nowadays, yeah. the kind of actress with white hair means they're 80, you know, and it was just like trying to figure it out. So then I was like, you know, I need to cast the character. Don't worry about how old per se. She just can't be young. And that's where I, I fell upon her. And okay. I didn't want to do the Julianne Moore thing. And I was like. Yeah, I don't think I'd buy her as Barbara Gordon anyway, so. No, and that just seems like such a safe choice all on that. Yes. We need someone who's older-ish and is a redhead. Eh, let's just go to Julianne Moore. I'm like, I mean, well, I love Julianne Moore, but. Look, she's fantastic, but she hasn't aged a single bit since yeah. the hand that rocks a cradle. You know, 
exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's like she came out of the womb 42 and just never changed. Yeah, pretty much. Um, all right. So then who did you cast as Dana? Okay. So here, so I tried to do, I mean, let me, let me preface some of my casting here. So I tried to keep it as age appropriate as I could. Um, I'm doing my main characters as being 18, 19 years old, like, like okay. just starting college for the first time, like they're freshmen in college. So I tried to go for any, I basically was looking for actors under 25 because I did not want to pull a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Oh, he's 30, but he's 18, but he's got five o'clock shadow and four headlines kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So, and I also, since, since Dana in the show is Chinese, I tried to go for a, a Chinese actress. So for Dana, I cast an, a young actress by the name of Brianne Tejou. And I okay. probably, probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, she's done a bunch of, and the problem with now, the problem with a lot of these younger actors right now is a lot of them are doing a lot of crap on like MTV. They came from like a Disney channel background and stuff yeah. like that. So I had to, I had to, I had to watch a lot of TV shows and a lot of them are coming from TV. I had to watch episodes of a lot of TV shows. I never thought I'd watch in my life to kind of get a feel for some of these actors before I put them on my list. So in the last week, I have seen a lot of things I never need to see again, but with that being said, um, uh, Brianne Tzu plays uh, in this uh, CW Seed show uh, called Life After First Failure. Um, okay. She plays a main role. Uh, she plays like the, the, the lead character's like best friend, Jasmine. And um, she's got this, A, her, vo- her voice tone, because like, Dana had a very uh, almost squeaky voice in the show. It was very high pitched. It was very. It was. It was. It wasn't unpleasant, but it was a very higher pitched voice. And um, Brianchu has that kind of tone to her voice. She's got a little bit of snark, a little bit of sarcasm to her, um, but is very good at playing a very uh, supportive but dynamic character. Specifically, because this show is the one thing where she had like a ton of episodes that I could watch to like really see her. Um, she's also in this show called Light as a Feather that I haven't been able to find yet. But she's got she's got this kind of. Um, just this supportive she's really good at playing this sort of supportive there for you but gonna tell you how it is uh kind of character and that's kind of what dana was like in the show she was a little bit more just there to be the supportive girlfriend um yeah. and but for actually how i want to incorporate dana into the story of these movies i wanted someone who could also kind of hold their own as being very direct with with terry so um so I went with her specifically off of what I saw from her in the show, uh, life after first failure. Sure. I, I did not do as much research as, as you did, but I do this thing sometimes where I'm like, I don't know a person who's going to be part who could work. So let me look at what actors from a list would fit it and then kind of look at their career. Yeah. So I picked Lana Condor. She was I almost picked her. I yeah, almost she, picked her. Yeah, she was Jubilee in the X-Men Apocalypse. But the thing that got me is that she's the the female lead of these series of movies called To All the Boys. And yeah. you don't do a second film, even if it's on Netflix, if your lead is crap. True. That's true. So yeah. I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm just going to do that weird director thing of like, hey, if she worked for other people, I'll, I'll cast her in my movie. And so that's kind of what I went with her. Yeah, she is good. Yeah, I, I did. Um, she, I, I actually had a much longer list of actors I wanted to play Dana than I did anybody else because (laughs) as I started doing research on just like up and coming Chinese actresses I found a lot that were very good 
Um, yeah. I, I almost picked, um, and I'm trying to remember what her name is now because I, I took it off my off my um, list. Oh, uh, I almost cast uh, Natasha Lubordizo, who was in Guns Akimbo, which is this really funny action movie with with um, Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. Yeah. But she's she's also going to be um, playing Sabine Wren in the Ahsoka st- series, Star Wars series. Okay. Um, almost picked her. Um, and I don't remember why. I think I think I was ready to settle on her. She was a little older than I was going for because she's almost thirty. But I was gonna go with her, and then I found Brienne Tejou, and I was like, "Nah, she, that's 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 the girl right there. Brienne's the girl." But yeah, L- Lana Condor is a great pick. I almost picked her. Yeah. All right, here we go. All right, so you want to go to Bruce Wayne or Terry first? So before we go to either of those, I will say oh. I'm going to pitch. I'm going to pitch you my fifth character because you haven't touched on it yet. Since you okay. cast a Barbara Gordon, um, I'm making J Man, who is the leader of the Jokers, who kind of dresses like Joker in the first few episodes. I'm making okay. him kind of a more prominent role in all of these movies. Nice. So I cast him, and I will say the guy that I cast to play J Man, who is almost who I cast to play Terry. Okay. He was going to okay. be my Terry until I found this other guy. But I, for these kind of roles, again, trying to keep with that same age group, um, but also who I knew could hold their own in an extended amount of time. So you kind of go for someone who's been doing a lot of TV. But also, since this is, this is a comic book show, you want someone who can do action and combat. And anyway, I cast uh, Tanner Buchanan from Cobra Kai. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Now, I haven't watched that show at all. I, I haven't watched it either. My friends hate me because I haven't watched the show yet. <laughs> um, I, I picked I picked him because he's he's because when you look at him, he kind of looks like a Terry McGinnis. He's got the dark hair. Um, he's got the blue eyes. He's he's fit because he does Cobra Kai. They do all their own fighting and stuff in that show. So yep. he's in shape and you know he can hold a fight. I almost picked him. The only reason I didn't is is he's he's the right age group, but he looks a lot younger than he actually is. Ah, uh, okay. Like, he's 23. He looks like he's maybe 16. He's just got a very boyish face. Um, and he's a little short. He's a little short for what I'd like to do for Terry. Um, I want someone who's a little but he's I, I watched a couple scenes from Cobra Kai, some other stuff he's done. He's a good actor, and I know he can fight. But I noticed that the character he tends to play tends to have a lot of attitude and a lot of snark and and, and just kind of is just kind of a douche. And I was like, oh, well, that's my J-Man right there. Because, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm, J, J-Man's going to be the Jokers in general. The gang are going to have a much bigger part to play in what I'm and what I'm pitching. So that's who I went with for J-Man is T- uh, Tanner Buchanan from Cobra Kai. OK, Uh we could talk about that stuff later. So, okay. <laughs> all right. So let's do let's do Terry then Bruce because I think Bruce is going to be the one that people really want to hear, which is weird okay. to say because the show is about Terry or the movie is about Terry. But I think Bruce is going to be the one that we can stick the landing with the most. Yeah. All right. So my Terry McGillit McGinnis. Do you want the journey or do you want me just drop it? Just drop it. We'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll the journey as far as like why you picked them. Yes. Let me hear it because because I'm going to ask you either way. I mean the 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 big thing for me, especially when it comes to casting some of the stuff, the, the dealing with these older movies or characters or blah blah, is I think sometimes you get trapped in what they look like and what their ethnicity is. 
Okay. And in my journey of like, how do I find a young actor and who this, and I did similar to you is I started looking at like the first guy I almost picked was, do you watch stranger things? I am half, I am almost done with season two. Okay. I I finally started watching it last month. So the villain of the fourth season, this like allegedly high school guy. Okay. I was like, this guy, you know, he's good looking. He could do it, blah, blah. But he just doesn't look like he's in high school as much as they, they, they say he's a senior, but I was like, okay, I could do the Tobey Maguire thing and get him out of high school as quickly as possible. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. So then of course, then you just, as anybody, you go through the strangers things cast and of I was course. like, when you, yeah. when you need young up and coming actors, what's your go-to? Let's look at stranger things. Who's in that? Yeah. And then I was like, no, none of these guys work. And then I was like, wait a minute, one of these guys works, but I got to get out of my head. So it's Caleb LaGlockland. Oh, okay. All right. I, yeah. See, I'm not that far into stranger things yet. So I, I hadn't thought of him. Yeah. And it was just one of those times of like, it, it sounds horrible to say this and you know, please come at me. We were watching the fourth season. Of course, when you cast little kids, you don't know what they're going to look like when they get older. Right. Well, beyond him, nobody else ages very well. <laughs> as oh, far as the male. Yes. It's like, they start yeah. like this, the last season. You're just like, dude, did they cast anybody attractive? But he has aged into becoming a man very well. Um, and for you who don't know, he's black. <laughs> And I just kind of went like, yeah, why would he have to be white? It's not like yeah, Batman who's been around for 80 years. Like it's Batman Beyond and his mask completely obscures his face anyway. So yeah. I was like, yeah, why not? That's perfect. So I cast him as Terry McGinnis. And in my kind of, we'll just go down the rabbit hole because I cast her because she does last for a while is his mom, Mary McGinnis. I cast Carrie Washington. From Scandal. Oh, I like Carrie Washington. I I I thought I considered her for another role in mine that I decided not to cast just because I didn't want to put that much work into it. Um, <laughs> but I'll I'll bring that up in a little bit. But a uh, good poll. Yeah, good. So that, oh, I like Carrie Washington a lot. Yeah, I just was like, yeah, let's have fun with it. Like again, if you're gonna do it, have fun. It's not a woke thing i didn't intentionally do it but i just kind of had that moment of like he's athletic he's got a good build he's he's grown up unfortunately like the other guys grown up to be a good looking kid and he's he can act like he's done a ton you know he's one of the better guys in that show so yeah he's my terry mcginnis it's funny you say that because like because i just started watching it and all during season one all i could think was man lucas sucks (laughs) <laughs> Lucas sucks, man. Like this guy, this kid's just a dick. And then you get to season two, and it's like him and Mike flipped because now Lucas is cool and and Mike sucks. Uh, no, I like yeah. I like him. He does a very good job on the show. I like him a lot more in season two than I do in season one. Um, so I'm I'm, I'm ready to hurry up and get to the end of the show i'm loving it so far I, I hate that it took me this long to get to it um no yeah and who gives a crap about the, the the race thing who cares you know what yeah. I'm, I'm i'm a big believer in as long as it's not like an integral part of the character do what the hell do whatever the hell you want you yeah. know yeah. so the same thing about when they with death in sandman it's like i don't really care as long as they make me feel things <laughs> yeah and she did very much yeah, so. she did. 
So mine, I still kept going with the kind of uh, I, I I I didn't I didn't race bend him. I kept going with the uh, uh, actors and things I haven't seen, so I had to watch some TV shows. I avoided <laughs> to learn about them. So I still wanted someone who had the kind of physique thing who was who knew how to do, handle the physique thing had done some some acting and 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 done with, with the with being physically fit um and i originally like i said was going to go with tanner buchanan from cobra kai and then i stumbled upon this other dude on a show i promised myself i would never watch but i watched a handful of episodes and i hated the show but he was very good in them and it felt like he was written by someone who loved Terry McGinnis, and that is Cody Christian from Teen Wolf. Okay, okay. I've never watched it, but I think I know who you're talking about. Um, he's he's a good-looking dude. He's kind of got that taller, uh, more more yoked physique that I'm looking for for from Terry. Um, he's kind of he kind of feels like because I'm it's a little bit a little bit of a spoiler, but I'm pitching. I'm really going to lean into like Terry having a juvie record. Okay. It's, it's, it's like that they mentioned that like twice in the show that he has one. Um, I think they kind of avoided that for the most part just because it was a kid show. But I'm going to make that kind of a that's kind of a big part of what I'm doing. And and Cody Christian, the way he plays um, uh, the character of Theo on uh, on Teen Wolf, like he he gives you kind of that like former delinquent type of energy and attitude. Someone who's, who's like, he's like, he's like, I'm here to do the right thing, but I'm going to be kind of a dick about it. Um, and so I, that's why I picked him because he's, 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 he's taller. He's still in that right age range. He's like, when I look at him, it's like this guy, you could, this guy could totally pull off. Like he looks like a, a, a angsty 18 year old. Who's going to tell Bruce Wayne to shove it. <laughs> I like it. All right. Moment of truth. Old man, Bruce Wayne. What do you got, Matthew? All right. So because I'm crazy when it comes to casting some of these characters, and even though Bruce Wayne's supposed to be older, I also want him to be capable if he has to be. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you're going to kill me, but like I just kept going around, and this guy just kept popping in my head because when you look at him, he just looks like a freaking weird-ass comic book in a way. I picked Dolph Lundgren. Show's over. The show's, the show's over. The show's <laughs> over. No. Uh, oh. Okay. All right. Make uh, c- convince me. Convince. I, I love Dolph Lundgren. Don't get me wrong. Convince me. Uh he's just this big dude who has aged very well. But it's kind of weird. You'd almost have to make him look his age because he's like 65, 66 years old. But the thing of it is, is like just that gruffness that he kind of does in Expendables. But then to like listen to him talk, there's a show called The Art of Action. Scott Atkins does this like show interviewing all these people. And when you talk to him for real, he is this incredibly intelligent, wise guy. Um, but then when you see him in movies, he just plays like this brute. You know, they, they've I've, I've you know looked at it in the past where he's like actually like super high end intelligent you know, genius level IQ. And I was like, if if people would just let him do that, I think we'd see a different side of him. And I just kept thinking like, yeah, I could see him walking with that cane. And then the moment he's got to lay something down, he's totally got the ability to, I don't know if you've ever seen any of his martial arts movies, but the dude is just straight up a karate guy. Oh, Um, sure. 
So yeah, it just like, I think no matter what, even as an old man, he's got to have an intimidating presence. And I think he would definitely be, have this presence over uh, who I cast as Terry, but then, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he could kind of pull a little bit charm if he ever needed to with, uh, you know, talking with Barbara Gordon or even, you know, Mary McGinnis, but that that's my pick, dude. I, I know it's weird. It just, I don't know why it kind of reminded me of, of just this look he has in the dark Knight returns, which dark Knight returns. Batman is about the same age as Batman beyond Batman, maybe a little bit younger, but it's just what kind of hit me. And I don't know. I don't know why I just couldn't get out of my head. And the more I kept going and I was like, I couldn't find somebody that I was, I think we talked on the thing is like, 10, 15 years ago, it probably would have been Clint Eastwood. But yeah, uh, yeah, Dolph Lunder, I just couldn't get it out of there. So yeah, that's who it is. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna judge you for the rest of the for the remaining <laughs> years. At least forever. The, it'll be on your deathbed, and I'll be like, "Listen, man, I'm gonna miss you." But did you seriously want to pick Dolph Lundgren as Bruce Wayne? Hey, uh, put a bat cowl on him. Look at him go. But uh, I, I mean, I like I like Dolph Lundgren a lot. I've I've seen a lot of his movies. He's 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 good actor i actually i'll tell you what in recent years um i actually thought he was pretty good as uh king what's his face mara's dad in aquaman i thought he was pretty good in that actually and actually i liked him in season five of arrow um i thought he was pretty darn good in season five of arrow so he's he's played in the dc world before um and he's he's i, I, I like him i just i just i, I don't know i'm never going to be able to make to make to wrap my head around that it's, it's never going to happen <laughs> it's it's weird like it's even like me sitting there going like does it work and i just like kept going like look weirder things have happened have worked perfectly and yeah, yeah i mean i mean look heath ledger heath ledger is joker that's that's always my go back to is like i can sit here and buku any casting i want heath ledger play joker and and that kind of shuts me up so dude song and dance guy song mm. and dance guy people still want him to come back and be wolverine yeah exactly yeah exactly hugh jackman wolverine pattinson is batman i mean yeah, yeah weirder things have happened yeah um, so, this could be the weirdest so it, it all probably right, would be <laughs> minus mine is kind of safe but i i kind of i got the idea for this one actually from when we did our uh, uh, sequelizing the Dark Knight Rises um, for old man Bruce Wayne. I wanted I wanted something that was going to feel a little comfortable, and I wanted someone who I knew could kind of act circles around the entire cast as well. Um, and I went with Kevin Conroy. Oh, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, he he yeah. did really good when he was in that show when the the, the crossover. He's, I mean, he's, he is the voice of Bruce Wayne, Batman. We have all, we all know that voice that is yes. undeniable. Um, my Bruce Wayne is like, kind of like you, he's like in his mid sixties. So he fits that age, age range perfectly. Cause he's in his mid sixties. Um, I, I jumped off the CW Arrowverse a while ago. Um, but I did see the clips of him playing older Bruce Wayne in the crisis on infinite earth thing. They did. Yeah, Kingdom um, Come version. <laughs> yeah, which was, and I thought he did a very good job. I thought he did an excellent job. And I was like, I want to see this, but I want to see this not hindered by a CW script. You know what I mean? Like, and think about Kevin Conroy. A lot of people don't know. He is a Juilliard trained actor. Like the man, the man is 
like, yes, we know him as being the voice of Batman, and that is fantastic. Kevin Conroy um, is a damn good actor. He has done work on Broadway. He uh, he went. He graduated Juilliard. Um, I want to say it's like mid seventies. Well, like he like he roomed with Robin Williams. Correct. While he was there, um, he was in the same group as him and Kelsey Grammer. Um, yeah. He graduated in seventy eight. I'm looking at it here right now. So he, um, the man, can act, and I feel like if there was ever a great chance for like a true for lack of a better word, swan song for Kevin Conroy playing Bruce Wayne. It's like, let's literally make him both animated and live action. Old man, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, no, I, I think it's perfect. Makes absolute total sense to do that. All right. So that's, that's kind of our, our main meat of our, of our cast here. Uh, Matthew's going to have some more as we get into uh, uh, our our story pitches, which, by the way, guys, is going to be a little bit of a longer episode. Deal with it, um, yeah. but it's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. All right, so uh, you want to do uh, the crew last? You said, yeah, I think we'll do the crew last. I think it'll be fun. Okay, because so, I, I would use the same guys for all three. I would too. Yeah, I, I would too. Um, so let's uh, let's pitch some stories then. Here, um, I'm going to go first on this one. So uh, for my now I'm doing four movies is the way mine ended up being. Okay. Um, I, I set up the first one to kind of stand alone, but if they want to do more, they can. And then I had some ideas for some post-credit scenes and then boom, it's four movies. So whatever it's, it's you know, playing with house money. So who cares? So I've still wanted to keep it kind of like you said, still pretty true to the origin that's set up in, um, in the show i tweaked it a little bit more for narrative um the overall feel and concept i'm going for is like blade runner 2049 meets batman which which yeah i mean that's kind of what batman beyond is it's blade runner batman um you know there's like gotham at this point has been divided into two cities there's two like two levels an upper and a lower level and like the upper is like refined and civilized and clean and pretty and goes on a postcard and the lower level is like it's dirty as there's a lot of crime it's kind of like the old city it's kind of like what they did with futurama almost um where it's like the old city is buried um and uh so with this i want to open the movie with like Kind of how we did the first the first episode of the show is like older Bruce Wayne is still trying to be Batman and then he has like a heart attack while he's out there, um, comes back home and you know puts the suit away for the last time. Um, at this po- at this point in moment, we still see a much older, a much older Alfred still kind of just there, um, but at this point Bruce is helping him more than Alfred's helping Bruce. And kind of swears off. We do a little bit of a time jump. Let's call it 10 years. Um, and we see uh, Bruce burying Alfred. Okay. So I want to, that, and which is sad, yes, but we're having this big funeral for Alfred because what I wanted to uh, kind of turn into is that um, Bruce still has these health issues, but he still needs someone to help him kind of get around. So Terry, who we see, basically getting you know busted by the cops again and having you know again we're, we're kind of hammering in that he's got this juvie record 
um, Bruce has or, or Terry has to basically do community service. And so his community service is that um, he goes to work at Bruce Wayne's mansion, helping take care of him, um, like run errands for him. That kind of thing is his community service. Makes sense. I like it. Yeah, because I'm not a big I'm, one of my least favorite things in movies is serendipity. So I don't yeah. like the idea that he just happened to be running away from this gang and just happened to end up at Bruce Wayne's place of all places and just happens to go inside and find out he's Batman. Like, no, I want like a reason for him to be there. And so, yeah, he's he's uh, community service. He's um, you know, he's 18, 19 years old. He's, they're getting it's almost it's like, you know, summertime. So we're not he's not in college yet. Um, his girlfriend, Dana, is going to college. She really wants him to go. He doesn't really want to go. He feels like, he, you know, he probably odds are he probably wasn't able to get in because of the whole juvie record thing. But he's like, he's like, whatever, it's not for me. She's going to go to nursing school and whatever. But and, you know, her dad doesn't approve, but whatever, it's fine. They're they're young and they're hot and they're in love. Um, one night while Terry's working in the mansion, you know, he the, the the jokers, the gang, they break into Wayne Manor and they're like trashing the place and grabbing shit and they're like we gotta you know let's find the old man as you know so terry starts trying to fight these guys off and uh, uh they end up like busting into like bruce's room or something where he's sleeping and you know bruce tries to like you know fight these guys off and he's still just young enough that some of those old instincts are still there and seeing j-man you know the joker looking uh, uh gang leader come in it like triggers him almost and those old instincts start coming back and and him and him and terry fight these guys off and they end up calling the cops which at one which at this point commissioner barbara gordon shows up and we can see that she's got some kind of like wing tech cyber upgrade that's helping her walk um, you know, mm, okay, okay. Back, little back and forth of like her and Bruce being old friends and all that. Um, and what ends, what leads to Terry finding the bat cave is he's just kind of trying to clean up the mansion after the break in. He's putting stuff away. He's, you know, trying to figure out what all they took, yada, yada, yada. It leads him over, you know, at one point during the fight, like the, the grandfather clock or whatever gets busted up against it. He's trying to fix it and winds up triggering the door to open. Finds the Batcave, Bruce throws him out, so on and so forth. Um, the stuff with Derek Powers, the whole corporate espionage thing is still pretty much the same. Um, in this particular movie, though, what I'm doing is he, uh, he's been trying to, you know, take out, you know, get full control of the company away from Bruce Wayne, but he's not, it's not happening. So he, I'm putting it that he actually did hire the Jokers to go, uh, to go basically mess up the place, take out Bruce Wayne, make it look like a robbery gone bad. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and then we also get the whole thing where he, they report back. We find, we, they report back to him like, no, we didn't, this happened, so on and so forth. He finds out that it's, you know, that the young man that fought them off is, the son of the guy that works for him. So he hires the jokers to go take out Terry's dad, make it look like revenge for fighting them off from Bruce Wayne's place. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So now, so at this point, Terry immediately steals the suit. He immediately goes and grabs the suit to go take on the jokers. 
He's going to go take out the, he's going to go take the suit. Cause he just, cause he knows it's there. He doesn't want to go be Batman. He just wants to have a fighting edge to go, to go take out th- these, these gang members. He goes, he's looking, he can't find the gang leader. He tries to, he can't find J man. So he's taking out these lower level guys. He tries to do like a Batman style interrogation, but because the, the Batman beyond suit has like the strength enhancers and all that, he basically almost kills the guy. So what ends up happening is Bruce triggers the whole fail safe thing that locks the suit up and we see the super fucking old bat plane fly over and like snag him with like a grappling hook and take him back to the bat cave. And, you know, they're having their fight like, you know, you took my suit, yada, 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 what should I do? So Terry explains everything that happened. So Bruce agrees to train him enough to help him get justice for his father which means we're going to need a montage. Montage. <laughs> so we see them like training because the, the idea is that like Terry is like a brilliant tech student. Like yeah. if he really wanted to, he could have gone to college for, you know, computer tech or whatever. And like, he's a brilliant, got a brilliant mind. Cause like Bruce Wayne has got a brilliant logistical mind. You know, he's a detective, that kind of thing. Terry's not that, but what does he bring to the table besides just youth and charm and good looks? He's a tech wizard. So the suit, the Batman Beyond suit is advanced, but it's still also kind of old. So during this montage, we've seen him kind of, it's kind of like we've seen Ant-Man um, where he's yeah. just kind of tinkering with it a little bit, making it just kind of work better for him. Um, and we see him, we see like, you know, quick shots of him finding other pockets of the gang. And he's trying to find Jamie. He's trying to figure out where all this, you know, how high this goes. Um, you know, we find out that he was offered the scholarship, but he lost it when he went to juvie, that kind of thing. So now that he's kind of got this better handle on things, we see him actually do a successful, you know, Batman style, holding them off the edge of the building interrogation type thing. Um, eventually finds J-Man and, you know, like, through uh you know finds like a cell phone or whatever hacks it and finds out that powers is behind all of this um so he goes and tells bruce so you know they're it's like okay well you know we got to be careful if you're going to do this you're going against my company you know this could come back to me so on and so forth um i'm actually going to have it to where throughout all this time powers was already exposed to the nerve gas stuff like that happened as an accident at the lab he's already slowly turning into blight and has already been going through the treatments to try to contain it, and it's just getting worse and worse. Mm. So, okay. like, yeah, so he, it already happened because, you know, it already happened to him. It, it's not because, like, we'll see scenes of, of like, you know, the, the J-Man coming to talk to him, and he's like, you know, he's like, oh, you can tell he's in pain, and he makes him leave, and he goes in for another, like, radiation treatment or something like that. So he's not the green fire dude yet, but he's getting there during this final confrontation at, you know, at the, at the company or whatever is where blight finally starts like going nuclear. Like he starts going fiery and green and uh, seemingly Terry takes him out by dropping him into the lake. Like he, you know, they fight, they fight, they fight, they fight explosion. Blight goes into the lake. Okay. Well, he's gone. So like kind of how the, the kind of how the, 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 the first two episodes end of the show you there? Are you there? I am now. I lost you for about five seconds. All right. What, what was the last thing you heard me say? 
Blight fell in the water. Okay. Blight falls into the water. Um, and uh, they, they think he's gone at this point. Like they're, 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 they're combing the, they're dragging the lake. They're dragging the water. They can't find him. Uh, kind of like what happens with the show the next morning, uh, Terry wakes up, you know, he's got the suit unstuffed under his bed and uh, Bruce Wayne is there doing his like nice, kind old man thing. Uh, talks to his mom and his and and his parole officer saying like no I'm the one that threw him out over a misunderstanding and basically uh, says if you continue to work for me in my house um, I'll pay for you to go to college mm, and okay. he's gonna um, so you know he walks him out and tells him that you know hey Power's body was never recovered and that because of Batman basically being back and what you all the stuff that we did the Jokers have started pushing into the upper city from the lower city. Cause they see there's a new Batman. So now they see him as a challenge. Okay. Um, no, I think that's cool. Yeah. So, so as part of the front, you know, Bruce is like, I'm going to pay for you to go to college and all that. So we see that Terry's at Gotham state. Um, and this is where I do a little bit of world building because I love me some world building. So, uh, Terry goes to his first computer tech class and he meets his assigned, uh, uh lab partner, a young woman named max. There we go. Yep. He's like, Oh, hi, I'm max. Um, he, then he has lunch with, he goes and he has lunch, you know, runs into Dana on campus. You know, she's a nursing student and, uh, she's there and she's like, Hey, I want to introduce you to, uh, to my, my classmate. Uh, uh this is, uh, my friend, Melanie Walker. Now, if you don't know who Melanie Walker is kids in Batman beyond Melanie Walker ends up being 10 from the Royal flush gang who basically becomes Terry Selena Kyle. Ah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She is the Terry Batman. What Selena Cat? Bruce even says as much after that first Royal Flushing episode, where he's like, "Did anything like this ever happen to you?" He goes, "Let me tell you about a woman named Selena Kyle." Um, Dana asks Terry if they can all go to dinner. He tells her he can't. He's got to go run some errands for Mister Wayne. We see the end shot of Terry's Batman on like you know a tall skyscraper. He's got his tech. He's listening for stuff around the city. He hears like you know like a gang break and happen somewhere. Busts out the wings, flies off into the city. Credits, and then in our mid credit scene, we see that uh, there's like a lab people are working on stuff and we find out that powers is alive he's being monitored he is just full-blown glowing uh they're trying to basically just keep him stable they're using some kind of special cooling tech they're like it's working it could be working better we need to figure out another solution before long so one of the doctors turns to another and says hey can you go tell the boss like we're working on this we're having some problems so the doc leaves the room he goes down a hall and there's a door labeled Project Inc. And standing outside of that door is a much older Amanda Waller. Nice. And he said the doc, she tells the doc, okay, well, let's go. Let's, the cooling thing's working, but not great. Let's go talk to the expert. They go down another hall into a lab where they're being a where being held prisoner is and is a older but not aged Mr. Freeze, who is being kept alive in some kind of weird lab thing tortured and experimented on and they're using his tech to try to um to uh, uh maintain powers why am i not surprised you brought in mr freeze <laughs> because goddamn it, i love mr freeze um and it plays into what i'm going for with my future movies and then my final credit scene uh we see j man the head of the jokers he's coming back to basically the, the gang's den or whatever the fuck you want to call it uh goes into his room and he's you know just sitting on his bed 
and we hear this creepy voice telling him that if he's going to go up against the Batman, he's going to have to work on his sense of humor. We hear this growing chuckle turn into a sinister laugh as this figure just kind of awkwardly stumbles past him out of the room and the door is just about to shut and we see a faint glimpse of a purple suit and long, thin green hair. The door slams shut. And it all goes to black. Nice. Nice. I like it. I like that's it. First, that's, yeah. that's part one. <laughs> that's part one that leads into part 18 of other films. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a lot of world building, basically the same origin. I did some tweaking with the story a little bit just for narrative structure. Um, and uh, really wanted to just spend a lot of time building out who the hell these characters are. No, I think it sounds perfect. All right. So for, yours. Me, for me, I didn't do anything. There's only like two or three changes to the origin that is in the cartoon that I changed. Number one, um, <clears throat> you don't ever see the idea. Oh, I'm trying to think about how to explain this. So essentially like the Batman Beyond suit was never Bruce Wayne's suit. Okay. It was the the second Batman suit. Okay. And that is why he's so against recruiting Terry. Is that there was another Batman and it ended horribly. And you don't find out what happened. You just know that there was one. Interesting. Okay. Okay. The other thing is that um, I would just have Blight be the main villain. So his episodes, like right after the pilot, kind of would be smashed into my pilot. Okay. Okay. Um, but that's that's really the only thing that's kind of different. Um, everything else is the same. I would kind of drop a little more that Nightwing did leave. That's why he's not around. Um, right. I wouldn't get into who the replacement Batman was until my second film. Okay. So do you want to roll into my second film or do you want to do your second film? Um, yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll keep going back and forth here. Um, so my part two is called Batman Beyond Dead Man's Hand, um, which is one of my favorite episodes of the series. I'm just basically going to adapt that episode, but also build it into this world that I'm building. And that's the episode with the Royal Flush Gang, the thing with Melanie Walker slash 10. Um, I almost gonna, did it. I almost did. Yeah. It. I just didn't know enough about them in that show to do it. So I love the Royal Flush Gang just on general principle. It's one of my favorite Batman uh, uh rogues period i love the i just love the concept of the royal flush gang and i love the way they're used in batman beyond so much it's it's a version the the main thing the main problem the show had was that they never really had as good a rogues gallery as batman did and half the time the villains they used were just adaptations of batman villains that already existed like the version of the royal flush gang they use in the show batman beyond already existed in the comics they just made it work in the future world, but I love the way they use them. So that's what I want my second movie to be is going to focus a lot more on like Terry and Dana's relationship being strained by his being Batman. Uh, um, okay. Melanie Walker gets involved. The real flush gang gets involved because they also kind of go that this is also how I'm going to develop Max into more of that, like kind of proto Oracle type character she is in the show. Um, the movie's going to end with Dana actually like by the end of the movie, Dana's going to know Terry's Batman. Um, and she's going to be kind of like what Rosario Dawson is in daredevil because she's this like nursing student, you know, trying to be a doctor and all that. She's going to kind of be helping him tend to his wounds at one point. Um, 
we're going to find out that uh, Powers is still active behind the scenes. He's actually the ones who have been hiring and funding the Royal Flush Gang for whatever they've been doing in this movie. Um, we're going to find out that uh, Mr. Free, we're still building this Mr. Freeze thing, um, and he is basically planning his escape and his revenge. He's being held there against his will. Um, and then in these, in the whatever post credit scenes I have is going to show, we're still going to go this whole old man Joker is kind of starting to rally the Jokers into this massive army to invade Neo Gotham. Okay. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I, I, got, I got broad strokes for my, for, for the, for the three sequels. So that's, okay. yeah, that's my pitch on, on part two. Okay. My part two is going to be Batman beyond rise of the demon. And it's going to be Rachel Ghoul coming back to Gotham to reclaim it in his mind. And the oh. reason it's reclaim is because Damien was Batman. And the reason oh. why Batman upgraded the suit was to make sure Damien would survive being Batman. So two things. We all know I hate Damien Wayne. Yes. But I like that angle. Yes. So um, I cast Cliff Curtis as Rachel Ghoul. It's a, a cheat because I used it before, but I love that dude. And I think he'd make a great Rachel Ghoul. Um, oh, that guy. Okay. All yes. right. Uh, Talia Al Ghul will be in it as well. It is Sarah Shahai, I think is her name. She's going to be in Black Adam, which I won't hold that against her, but she was in this show called Life. She was, she's been all over the place. She's a fantastic actress, attractive woman, can do, can do strength as a cut female cop that isn't like I'm sexy and I'm strong. She's just strong and it makes her sexy, if that makes any sense. Oh, okay. I, I, I know who she is. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm Googling these as you go. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Did you watch RRR yet? No, I have not watched RRR yet. Okay, because I cast Ram Charan as Damian Wayne. Okay. And he's the, the, the cop guy in RRR. And what Good you... Stuff. Yeah, he's been... He's just... He's been in a... He hasn't been anything American or US, but he's done a lot of Bollywood stuff. Okay. Um, but anyway, the point is, is that Damian Wayne had been Batman for about 10 years. And it ends with him defeating the Joker and he kills the Joker, which pisses Bruce Wayne off. So Bruce Wayne basically says, you're done. If you can't be Batman the way you're supposed to be Batman, you can't be Batman. And he's like, whatever. I didn't want to do this anyway. So currently Damian Wayne runs a martial arts studio in Gotham and also directs like action movies. (laughs) And he is the head martial arts advisor for a TV show called the dark cavalier, which has Hmm. nothing to do with the story. I just thought it was neat Okay, (laughs) (laughs) just to give him like, he's using all of his abilities and he's able to advise because basically like, Hey, I was Batman. So I could perfect with this, but even though nobody knows he was Batman. So Rachel Ghoul, because Damien was Batman felt like he controlled Gotham because his grandson was Batman. So now that his, grandson has not been Batman for like 10 years and there's a new Batman Rachel Ghoul's like nope this doesn't work I'm coming back to take it on and essentially what you have is Terry going to Damien saying like hey you need to help me defeat your grandfather and Damien being the punk he is is like no you can go sit on it I don't care and eventually it is takes Bruce Damien and Terry all teaming up to defeat Raish and his plans and Talia. And at the end, 
they've gotten rid of Raish and Talia's like, well, now that that plan didn't work, I guess I'll have my own plan. And that's kind of your end hook is that, you know, Talia will be back. It's it's interesting that you pitched that because I know you haven't watched Batman Beyond all the way to the end. Because uh, in season three, there is an episode that deals with Rachel Ghoul and Talia. And oh, I, nice. if you can get, if you can get that far in season three, it's it's got nothing to do with what you're pitching, but it is a neat episode, and I think you might get some enjoyment out of it. Okay, I, I, like I said, I think Batman Beyond's one of those shows that now I can watch it and probably be happy with it. Yeah, and uh, you know, my son, whose name is Race. <laughs> nice. Um, we tried to watch it and he just wasn't into it. Um, okay. But yeah. But yeah. So Ram Charan is my Damian Wayne. Cliff Curtis is my Rachel Ghoul, and Sarah Shahai is my Talia Ghoul. And that's my, my second film rise of the demon. All right. So the reason I'm doing four is because part three and part four of my series are basically a part one and part two of each other. Okay. Um, so, uh, they're, they're, they're both basically two parts of like, they're all part of the same story, but, but parts three and four of this series are direct sequels to each other. Um, so part three is called Batman beyond meltdown, which, uh, meltdown is the name of the Mr. Freeze episode of Batman beyond. I'm, I'm not following that episode. Like at least for my, for my broad strokes thing. Um, it's more about, they've kind of been, I mean, it's kind of been going on throughout this whole series is they've been using Mr. Freeze and experimenting on him and trying to use his tech to try and contain and, uh, uh, uh powers, uh, whole, you know, Derek powers, whole blight thing. And the way the episode, the way the movie would go is it would focus on the conclusion of that story arc. Um, he's blight is basically on the verge of going completely nuclear. Like if they can't contain this, he's going to be a walking nuclear bomb. Basically. Um, they won't be able to stop him. And freeze has escaped and is losing control of his abilities as well. So you've almost got this thing where like half the city is frozen and is snowy and cold and freezing. And the other half is just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And it basically turns into uh, freeze sacrificing himself to eliminate blight altogether. Um, so they're both gone. And, but just before the credits roll, the now amassed jokers, you know, in this big gang army are now starting to um, just bust their way into Neo Gotham and they are just wrecking shop. And it's going to end with like this jumbotron announcement of the old man Joker announcing he's back and he wants Batman's head. And that's going to cause old man Bruce Wayne to have a heart attack and we go to black. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So do you mind if I go ahead and pitch my part four since it's yeah, just if it's a, a two-part yeah. or do four. And then I'm just calling part four Batman Beyond Epilogue, and I am 100 percent not doing the crap from that epilogue episode they did in Justice League. Okay. I thought that was ridiculous. I'm just calling it epilogue. Um, <laughs> but it's gonna be like and we're gonna do a bit of a time jump. Like it's been a couple of it's been about six months since the end of the first movie. Uh, since since part end of part three since meltdown and Terrace has just just been trying to maintain as Batman Bruce is still in a coma um, and Max and Nana are doing their best to kind of help Terry hang but they are just overwhelmed because the the Jokers are just laying waste to the city what ends up happening is like uh, Terry finally tracks down uh, or comes into contact with Commissioner Barbara Gordon and she's like look I know who you are I'm not an idiot 
because um, at this point they haven't revealed themselves to each other. He's been keeping it uh, a secret. Um, and she's like, look, I can't really help you. She's like, I've got this thing that helps me walk. I can't fight, you know, like I used to. But she, he, she basically encourages him to track down some of Batman's former allies for help. The that being Dick Grayson and Tim Drake. Nice. Yes. To track them down. Go find them. If anyone can help you, it's the two of them. You know, uh, uh, Dick still operates as Nightwing in Bloodhaven. Um, and she's like, Tim Drake, I haven't seen or heard from in a while. But from what I hear, he's still out there, you know, doing his thing. So go. I'm not going to do the whole Tim Drake is actually Joker thing. Okay. I hate that. I hated that. It was stupid. It made no sense. It made no sense. Even from a comic book standpoint, I'm like, mm, that's far-fetched. That that that's that's some suspension of disbelief right there um so but yeah he's gonna basically go out and try to find nightwing and i don't know if i would have tim be the red robin or just like some other secret vigilante of some kind yeah but basically go find them and maybe they can help you and that's that's where i'm that's as far as i've gotten with part four but obviously like something happens they win the day everything's fine (laughs) Perfect. I like it. All right. So my third film is called Batman Beyond the Last Laugh. Okay. And I do have the Joker returning. And he, in his, you know, machinations, he does go to Harley Quinn because she has been kind of secretly running this Joker's, this new Joker's gang. I've cast Heather Graham as Harley Quinn because, of course, she's has aged since then. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, again, Terry does the like, you know, Damien helped me before. Maybe he'll help me with this one. And Damien's like, no, nah. like I needed to kick my grandfather out of town because he doesn't own this town, but I don't want anything to do with this. And um, so Terry starts going against him. He's able to, you know, with Bruce Wayne's help, as far as like telling him what to do, using the tech that he has, he's able to defeat the Joker. But I did kind of steal it. And yes, Damien is the Joker and has okay. been this entire time. And what we'll get with that is that you've got this great knockout drag out fight between Batman and the Joker that is beyond anything we've seen because a Joker usually is just this dude, but it's actually Damien. So okay. you've got somebody who have the full ninja styles and a lot of it is he is able to, I don't want to say cure Damien. I don't know if he would hit find out before the end that he was the Joker, but that they, t- you know, Bruce and Terry together have to fix him and bring him back. But even then it's just like, nah, he's, this isn't, he's not right. And um, I played with the idea that maybe they end up throwing him in jail for what he's done. And it ends with Talia breaking him out of Arkham. Oh, so then we can go for dozens of movies after that. If we need to <laughs> Nah, Damien's got to die. Well, the thing for me is the biggest problem I had with that. Um, the return of the Joker movie was like, it was yeah. painfully obvious. It was Tim because that I'm aware. I, you know, everyone not says in the show. Everyone says that. I never thought that. Well, because he wasn't in the rest of the show that I was aware of. 
No, he wasn't, but neither were a lot of neither were a lot of characters. Correct. Neither so for him to Joker. just suddenly be there again, I was like, no, nah, if he you you could have just not had him show up again unless he's somebody. Yeah. <laughs> But I liked what they did with it, the idea that he would be infected. So that's why I also call it the last laugh, because the Batman who laughs is the Batman from another dimension who had the Joker serum in him. Right, right, right. So I haven't really kind of fleshed out whether it's nanites, whether he's been Joker the whole time. And that's why he quit being, you know, what the whole thing is. But it is something about this recently that he starts becoming Joker again. I don't know if I would do the full like he physically transforms that was you know, the part in the show that in the movie because I love that movie. Don't get me wrong, but that's the part that I was like, he literally like grows and changes his muscle mass. Like, like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I would go that far. I would just have that like you know, like dude, you know, you look at a picture of the of Heath Ledger as a Joker and a Heath Ledger. Like, I don't know if I'd know it was the same guy. So I would just count on Ram Charan being able to act in a manner that you would not be able to tell he's a piece of joker. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, good luck keeping that out of Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) But I mean, I just think it would be cool to have that. And like I said, that's why I would have Damien be in the second film because when he shows up in the third, you're not like, ah, you know what I mean? Hmm. So for him to be kind of part of it, you know, in the second and third, I think it, less likely that you think it's him. Maybe we even toss in Tim Drake as a red herring. I have no idea. Yeah. But that that's my third film. That's cool, man. No, my, my Joker was just going to be the Joker. Like he's just the Joker. Yeah. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to try. I was like, no, screw it. It's just because when you, when you make it somebody else, it takes away from, from the moment. I'm like, oh, well then it's not the Joker. It's somebody else pretending to be the Joker. Correct. You well, know, and even I, if, if it's somehow Harley Quinn finally gets out of jail and then uses something to activate the rest of whatever they injected into Damien, like who knows? It doesn't it doesn't have to be yeah. a nanite transformation, you know. But but no, it worked. But that that were that makes more sense to me than just like Tim Tim Drake was tortured all these years ago, and only just now is becoming the joker like what's been going on for the last 40 years yeah why did so, he suddenly you know hey now i'm now i'm that yeah yeah but anyway um man this was fun yes i had fun with the because i've been going back and re-watching uh batman beyond just in my spare time um on hbo max while i still can and it's uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't i have to throw shade every chance i get um I was so glad you pitched this idea because it was like I've always wanted this idea. I've always wanted a Batman Beyond movie, and I guess I didn't realize just how much I wanted it until I started writing this these story points. And I was like, "Oh God, I must have really wanted this because suddenly I've got four movies in front of me." Well, and I think I think the biggest problem I had with this show originally, and you have to remember, like this is now. I want to say Batman Beyond is late nineties, maybe ninety nine. I think. So up until that point, the only other person who had ever been Batman was Dick Grayson. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, maybe. Well, the, no, that hadn't happened yet. No, no, it had. It had. Had because, it? Yes, because he'd been Batman. Because I'm trying to think when Nightfall happens. 
because he had been he's well i guess Azriel is batman for a while so that's mid 90s so dick but, grayson didn't become the do his run as batman until i was in high school i think well no 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 so what happened is when the nightfall things happens and Azriel becomes batman for a brief time yeah but it's totally different he's wearing the armor blah 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 because Bruce Wayne has not fully recovered from his back being broken, Dick Grayson is Batman for a while while Bruce Wayne goes and fully recovers after they all have defeated Asriel. And it's that once Bruce Wayne comes back to say, Hey, I'm going to be Batman again. That is when in comics lore, Nightwing and Batman finally make up. Okay. And so, then, I, know, I, know, I know he does it in Batman Reborn after Final Crisis. Yeah. Um, well, and it's because they, of course, they've retconned and reconned so many things. You never know. But in the, the 90s Batman comics, it's that situation that brings Nightwing back into the Bat family. Okay. That he was Batman, goes back to being Nightwing, and then soon after changes the costume and does all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where that comes from. Um, him, be, like I said, him before he becomes Batman for like a like couple issues. And I think it's called like prodigal son. Cause it's literally him returning to Gotham, becoming Batman. Um, that's when you have that, like Nightwing might show up once every two years or three years. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it does change the landscape of who Nightwing is and how he's in relation to Batman and all the stuff. But then you also have like all the Robins that happen after that. You know, and then of course, between now and then, you know, there's been a Tim Drake Batman, there's been a Damian Wayne Batman, there's been Batman Who Laughs, there's Tom Wayne Batman, like there's been 80 different Batman since then. Yeah. <laughs> but at the time when this cartoon came out, there had not really been that. And I was like, why wouldn't this just be Dick Grayson as Batman? Like, why would you make a random character no one's heard of to be Batman? And I just like concept through me. So that's why I was like, nope, I don't want anything to do with this. And then watch the movie, really like that return Joker movie and just had never gone back to rewatch it. So I need to do that now. Even though, like I said, I've watched a couple episodes here and there. It's good. I It's one of my favorite shows. Even now as I'm going back and rewatching it, I'm like, yeah, there's some stuff that like this is definitely for kids. But like the overall story and concept still uh, still holds really really well and there's just there's a lot of really good ideas but when you're making a saturday morning cartoon there's only so far you can go with them yeah so but the concept is is chef's kiss and so um when you were like you want to just go ahead and just do the movie pitch and i was like yes yes let's do that yes please thank you um and then this day and age where we're at the point well i want to say we're at the point where you we have several different versions of Batman we've introduced to multiverses. I think this movie could completely totally work as a standalone film. And you could completely say Dolph Lundgren is Batman. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and he's old Batman and this is new Batman and people will be like, okay, sure. Why not? Well, we still have one more, th- one last bit of, bit of stuff to pitch. And that is the, who is going to helm this crap, Matt. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Who's, who's, who, who, so for my for my crew, I've got a director, a composer, and a cinematographer. Okay. What do I you have? I have a director, cinematographer, and action choreographer. All right. What do you got? I have S.S. Rajamouli, who is a director of RRR. <laughs> okay. 
which is why I was hoping you had seen the movie. I, I'm I'm planning on getting around to it. There's a lot of stuff to watch right now, and it's three hours. Um, okay. There's just something about that movie that is just like it's a comic book movie. Like it is a if somebody took these freedom fighters from India's folklore mm-hmm. and was like, let's make them comic book superheroes, and that's what this movie is. Um. It, it it is it is literally well I don't want to say that on camera I'll tell you later but it, it the the movie is just epic scope fantastic action you, like even though it's three hours and it's one of those things where like I don't know who these characters actually are but I can mm. totally see if these were my folklore heroes I would have th- thought this is the most brilliant thing of ever um and i and he wrote and directed it so i would really like to see him do something really cool with batman beyond and and take it like not do the standard superhero thing take it a different direction and get into the lore get into these characters get into these the, the zaniness of what this potentially could be yeah yeah, I I've been I've been thinking because think, I've been uh, on my one of the channels I'm on. We've been watching a lot. We've been watching the trailers for this movie coming out called um, Brahmastra, which is uh, a kind of very fantastical take on like on on uh, uh, Hindi Hindi lore. Um, and people have been recommending uh, RRR to us a lot because of that. So it's 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 on. And I've seen a lot of other people talking about it. It's on my radar. It's just I got to get to it. Yeah, it's nuts, but it's great. Um, so who do you have? You said you had uh, a director, a composer, and an action choreographer. No, I have a cinematographer and an action choreographer. Yeah, Who's my your cin- cinematographer. My cinematographer is Mitchell Edmondson. He is a cinematographer for the first Transformers movie. Um, okay. I just think, say what you will about those movies, they have a fantastic look. They're well shot. And the fact that this guy was able to somehow create epic scope of these fight scenes of crap. That's not there. Yeah. Like you're literally like, Hey, let's film this building and follow the action of a giant robot. That is literally not here at this moment. Um, but he also did like make, let's just not even lie. Like he made Megan Fox look amazing. Yeah. He made everything look, those cars look great. Everything just looks fantastic. So I would love to see his, his cinematograph cinematography eye on this kind of weird Akira Blade Runner world. Okay. Who'd you pick? Or did you not pick a cinematographer? I did. What's your, who's your, who's your, uh, your fight coordinator? That's where I'm going to go again. His name's yeah. King Solomon. He's the guy who did all the stuff for RRR. <laughs> oh my God. All right. No, that's cool. That's cool. If you, you know, you know what's going to work. So yeah, that's great. Well, um, like I said, the, the big thing with, Terry McGinnis is you've got a guy who's wearing a cybernetic suit that allows him to do stuff beyond what Batman could ever do. Yeah. And there are scenes in this movie where like, like dude could a really strong and shape guy really like dodge and fight a tiger. Maybe, but yeah. this, this, these people maybe believe it. And then you can do that with Terry in his armor suit. That's fair. I, uh, so I have a director, composer, and cinematographer. So the composer I have, um, is one of my favorite ones working right now. I think he's done great stuff for, for comic book movies. And I really want to see him play in this kind of Blade Runner style, style world. And that is Junkie XL. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that guy. You might know him as Tom Holkenberg. Um, he did, so to give you some idea of some ones he's done, so he did the score for uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, Zack Snyder's Justice League, um, the Sonic the Hedgehog movies. He did it for, um, uh, he were him. He and Hans Zimmer both worked together on uh, Batman v Superman. And actually his theme, because he's the one who came up with the theme for Wonder Woman, for, for her, her that was his yeah. creation. Um, but also his Batman theme for Ben Affleck is incredible. The, the, the theme he came up with for, for, for Batman's Batman theme is fantastic um he also did the, the theme for uh the score for uh I, I believe uh deadpool 2 um he uh but he's a great composer and he's one of those guys who he does a lot of that kind of experimental all you know kind of futuristic sounding stuff really well so i'd like to hear him do his take on a uh on kind of a almost a vangelis-esque uh synth score because the the theme song for batman beyond is one of the most metal things ever it's so good it's very it's if if wayne static was still alive i'd had him i'd have him do the music for the movie um but because because that is some static x sounding batman theme music from that show so yeah yeah give me junkie xl doing something like that no the, the the theme song is just i don't know why every single batman show has had an amazing theme well it just, i don't remember the well, one from batman be, beware the batman but all of them you. yeah all of them have had amazing theme songs and i yeah this one is fantastic I mean, it's my it's my ringtone is the Batman Beyond theme song. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. It's my ringtone. It's so good. Um, my cinematographer, again, I'm putting a heavy emphasis on the Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049 aesthetic for this movie. And so who better to shoot this thing than the man who won an Oscar for for shooting Blade Runner 2049? Easily one of the greatest, easily the greatest cinematographer that ever lived. And that is Richard Deacons. Nice. If I can play with house money, I'm getting the big dog. (laughs) Hey, that movie looked beautiful. Yeah. Can you believe that was his first Oscar win? I can't. What else has he done? Richard Deacons? Yeah. You have to forgive me. I'm not big on cinematographers. Um, um, Okay. (laughs) Richard Deacons is probably the greatest working cinematographer of all time. He, um, just to name a few, I'm going to scroll down uh, the list here and just name a few. So, um 1917 blade runner 2049 sicario skyfall true grit revolutionary road the assassination of jesse james no country for old men jarhead the lady killers the man who wasn't there oh brother where art thou a beautiful mind the siege the big lebowski the shawshank redemption should i keep going i haven't watched any of those movies no i'm just kidding well, bull, bull no. crap. I mean, this, but, but 2049 was his first Academy Award. Yeah, I'm looking now. Um, he also he did win for 1917 as well, which is, which is fantastic. How did he um, not get he, it for Sicario? Dude, I don't know. It was one of those when I was watching the Oscars that year, because that was the year I was, I was so sure it was going to win at least that. And they're like, this is the first Academy Award win for Richard Deacons. And I was like, wait, what? What? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and he's working on this new movie called Empire of Light, which looks which looks amazing. Uh, that's coming out later this year. 
Um, and then, so he's who I would have shoot this thing because he, he won an Oscar for shooting a Blade Runner movie. This is Blade Runner with Batman. Why would you not get him? Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then the direct, again, still playing in that world. I want someone who knows how to handle this kind of property. So I'm pulling out just the, the big dog here. I'm getting Denis Villeneuve back. Okay. Because Denis Villeneuve, he directed Blade Runner 2049. He directed Dune. He directed Arrival. The man is, he is probably my favorite working director right now. Um, so I, I think he's my favorite working director that I don't know if I like his, any of his movies. <laughs> I like, I like Sicario. I liked Arrival. I, I liked what the conceptual things he did with some of these other movies, yeah. but I didn't care for the films. Does that make sense? That's fair. Like you, like, appreci- you appreciated the artistry. The movie itself just wasn't for you. Yeah. Like, like to me, Dune didn't work at all. Um, I, I haven't watched it yet. So, okay. No, Dune was one of those movies that I went, I'm like, this is neat. I could easily knock 45 minutes off this movie and not change a thing. <laughs> sure. Let me do a part two. Now for me, it, what it really came down to was his work on Blade Runner 2049 and, and Arrival, but mostly Blade Runner is what I was like. Yeah. If I'm going to get someone to do Blade Runner, Batman, let me get somebody who nailed Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, because I love Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott is my favorite director of all time. I don't want him touching Batman. No, <laughs> I understand. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, that that's uh, yeah. He's he's done some I, questionable stuff lately. Yeah. Again, again, favorite director of all time is Ridley Scott, but uh, uh, modern Ridley Scott is not my favorite Ridley Scott. Yeah. So, but man, all right. Oh, an hour and a half later, and we have tackled the yeah. Batman Beyond cinematic universe because it's going to be its own cinematic universe. <laughs> what was the joke? What is the joke I said before we started recording? You're like, they'll never make this movie. And I was like, well, they might make it. I don't know if they'll release it. <laughs> they'll never release it. Because <laughs> this is all we're, this is all house money. If this shit was getting released like tomorrow, like... <laughs> It's a, it's one of those, it's like, I'm making play. I am writing. I am trying to cash a check. I haven't written yet. Like yeah. it, <laughs> this is one of those things that they would say, we're going to make it an HBO max series. And everybody was like, that's stupid as crap. And then it would be peacemaker. So, Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, who, this isn't going to work. Oh, this is incredible. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So peacemaker's so good. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm sure, I'm sure we've, I am sure if you're listening and you're a hardcore Batman Beyond fan, we, you you hate us right now. You hate some of the things we've said. You you hate our ideas. That's fine. We hate some of our ideas. That's <laughs> what we had to go on. Uh, but this was a lot of fun to pitch because Batman Beyond is is a property that that is very near and dear to my heart. So I'm, I'm glad that we we tackled this and and hopefully at some point we might see a version of a live action Batman Beyond. I'm not. I'm not going to hold my breath, but this gives me hope. I I, th- I think it's inevitable. I, it's inevitable at this point. I mean, the fact that they've gone and made a Black Adam-led movie <laughs> means they're grasping at straws. I think it's a no-brainer to do a Batman Beyond movie. I think it is too, but I've been saying that for probably 15 years now that like this should have happened already. This well, should have happened already. 
we have we've had an emoji movie, but I haven't had a Batman Beyond movie. Yeah. Why well, even looking at something like Miss Marvel? Key into that yeah. teenage audience. Look at how popular like Rivendale and all these things are. Like, I think you could do it. Yeah. Miss Marvel was good too. But you know what? Let us know what you would have done differently. Let us know how much we completely screwed up and ruined your favorite childhood Batman show. Uh, you can let us know that on Twitter by uh, hitting us up on Twitter at We Are the Batman. You can find me at Mr. Mike Shea. And come attack me for t- casting Dolph Lundgren and those, as old Bruce Wayne at Mr. J Ninja. I'm going to tweet at you myself for that one. And we <laughs> will see you guys again next time here for another episode of We Are the Batman. Same bat time, same bat podcast channel. Bye.